Good morning. How's everybody doing? We uh, we are we alive out there? <laughs> Enthusiastic? Uh, I hope so. You should be. If you're not, you know, I'm going to work on that. Be turning in your Bibles, the book of First Tim or Second Timothy, chapter one. It occurred to me when I was uh, preparing uh, for my sermon and thinking about what to preach on. Uh, in all, and uh, we're not doing a parable today, by the way. I thought we were, we'd uh, we'll parable out, uh, you know what I mean. I thought, uh, you know, okay, what are the needs? You know, you always think about that. What are the needs that, that uh, might be in the church? And uh, I started figuring out that this is the last sermon that I'm preaching this calendar year uh, because of all the different events, uh, you know, the Sunday stuff that... Uh, uh, Raphael made reference to, uh, and so this is a sermon uh, that uh, sort of started with that thought in mind. Okay, how can we get off to a, a nice start at the first of the year uh, spiritually and, and that kind of a thing? I've entitled it "Fan into Flame," but basically, what I'm going to be looking at here, what we're going to uh, study about, is the idea of the cycle that we all go through in our Christian life. You do great. Then you do good. Then you do okay. Then you do not great. And you might even get the bad. And then you come around again and you go through that cycle again. And I think even knowing that that is a normal thing is very important if you're going to live a well-adjusted, happy, growing Christian life. Because in many people's minds, if I'm not doing great, then I'm doing lousy. But there's actually a cycle that most people uh, go through. Certainly I do. uh, And I recognize it at times. You know, I'll think, you know, I'm I'm not doing as good as I was a month ago. Or I was at a better spot. You know, earlier than I am now. Uh, if you guys go through that, I mean, yeah. am I speaking to the uh, to the crowd here, or yeah. is this going right over your head? I believe this is a cycle that happens uh, in our life, and and if you know it's going to happen, if you know the likelihood of it being there, uh, then you're like, okay, I, I I can figure it out, and I can figure out how to fix it, and that's what we're going to talk about here in the sermon uh, a little bit. The Christian life. Is not like a light bulb where you're on or off. It's like the the uh, the the uh, thing you have that you can you know lower uh, dimmer. Is that what is that? The, that's not the uh, title really. Uh, uh, it, it, it's a, a rheostat. Is that right? Uh, I don't know. If, if, if Chris doesn't know, it's not knowable. Uh, so, <clears throat> okay, are you in Second Timothy? Okay, chapter one, beginning of verse three. I thank God, whom I serve, as my forefathers did, with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears. I long to see you, so that I may be filled with joy. I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and of self-discipline. 
Isn't that interesting? He says, man, I'm missing you. I'm, I'm reminded of your faith, which was in your, your grandmother, your mother, and, and they put that into you. But I, I'm asking you, I'm reminding you, fan into flame. Hey, let's get it going here the way it apparently wasn't going. And he makes reference to the idea that fear has something to do with it, with Timothy. For he says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Paul is writing Timothy, going to tell him a lot of things in First and Second Timothy about how to lead the church, how to be a man of God. But he feels, I've got to challenge you, you need to get it going a little bit more than you are right now. Fan it into flame. And, and all of us have you know, been around a fire uh, at one uh, time or another, and you know how a fire just sort of burns down, and you have to get in there, maybe put some new wood in, and uh, you know, poke it around a little bit, and you can have a fire that's not doing much, and then you have a, a, a blazing fire. You know what I'm saying? Right. And he says, hey, you need to fan it into flame. Now look over to uh, the book of uh, Revelation chapter 2. Okay. Revelation chapter 2. A big theme of the, of the church of Revelation is that it's written to these seven churches. And the first church here we're going to look at is, is Ephesus because he says something to them very interesting uh, about where they're at and what they need to do about it. In uh, verse 1 of chapter 2, he says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds. He said, I know what's going on with you, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, but that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not. And, and have found them to be false. You have persevered and endured hardship from my name. Yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. So he says, okay, they've lost it a little bit. They've lost their first love. They're not as fiery in their love for God as it used to be. He says a very curious thing to them. Repent and do the things you did at first. This is a real interesting comment to people who have lost it a little bit. Do the things you did at first. And we're going to go back and we're going to look at, at Acts 19 at the church in Ephesus of what they did at first. Now when I hear something like that, repent and do the things you did at first, as an old athlete, I think about fundamentals. Okay, go back to the fundamentals. Go back to the basics of, of things, you know. And, and let's, let's make sure we've got the fundamentals down. Let's make sure we're doing the basic things right in our Christian life. You know, let me, let me give you an illustration here. Look over to Matthew uh, 16. Matthew 16. You want to see how quick sometimes this can, this can happen in a person's life? Matthew 16, uh, 16 and verse 13. Jesus here is talking to the guys. To the, to the disciples. He says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? He said, hey, what are, they, what are they saying about Me? Who do they say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. So there's a lot of talk about Jesus, right? Trying to figure out who He is. But what about you? 
Who do you say I am? Now look at Peter. Simon Peter answered, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. <laughs> Yesy! Got it right. Yeah. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was with Christ. So how is Peter doing right now? He's doing fantastic! How could it be any better? You're a spiritual guy. You've got spiritual answers. You're right on. Well, look what happens. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hand of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that He must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took Him aside. Peter's feeling good about himself. He took Him aside. Oh boy. (laughs) Never, Lord, He said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, or things of God, but the things of men. Wow. You see what I mean? The spiritual life is not a light bulb that's on or off. It, it's, it's, it's an ongoing, moving, changing thing. How you were doing spiritually yesterday may not be how you're doing spiritually today. Won't be necessarily how you do it spiritually tomorrow. Right. We change. Circumstances change around us. We deal with us. We deal with other people. Many times you'll be doing really great and then you talk to somebody. <laughs> you know? Uh, and, and all of a sudden that great spiritual uh, you know, level that you're at is just destroyed. And you know, sometimes we can get a real attitude toward uh, that person, you know? Uh, and avoid them. And you know, if it's your husband or wife, it's hard to do that. Uh, or your children, you know, or, or that kind of a thing. But uh, you know, what life is is fluid and, and it's going all around. Peter here goes from the height to the depth. He goes from having the most spiritual mind to the least spiritual mind of the disciples in, in a, 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 you know, about five minutes here, it seems like. Maybe ten minutes, maybe twenty, uh, however amount of time it was. But, you know, where we're at is not always where we need to be. And so this idea that I want to really spend the, the, the majority of our time in, and we, we could be turning over there to Acts 19. And uh, we're going to look at the first things that happened with the church at Ephesus. <clears throat> By the way, the church in Ephesus is the most written about church uh, in, in the New Testament. Because you've got Acts 19 that we're going to read, that, which is the uh, book of Acts talking about the church in Ephesus. You've got the, the book of Ephesians. You've got the comments that we just looked at there in Revelation chapter 2. And you've got First and Second Timothy. Uh, Timothy was uh, serving the Lord at Ephesus when Paul wrote those uh, those two epistles to him, or those two letters to him, and so we've got a lot of information about the church in Ephesus uh, that uh, that we can look at. But I want us to look at this idea of what they do first, because that's what he says to them: repent and do what you did at first. And so let's pick it up, Acts nineteen, and uh, uh, let's get, just pick it up, verse one. 
It says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no. We've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied, and there was about 12 men in all. Okay, so this is our first sort of introduction to these people. And they were apparently already people uh, that were following uh, John the Baptist. That They had been baptized by John. Didn't know anything about Jesus. Paul comes into town and he says, Hey, um, you know, what's going on? And they talk back and forth and and, uh, they realize, Well, you know, you got baptized by John, but you you didn't even know about Jesus. And so they got baptized, you know, uh, according to, you know, Acts 2, you know, the forgiveness of sins, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then he lays his hands on them and they have a a great time and, and spiritual there and all this is going on. But it gives us an indication or a light into these people. Do the things you did at first. Well, what do they do here? I think what they do is a very important thing to do if we're going to do well spiritually. Is that they were open to listening to the Word of God. Right. Uh, in this case, uh, to, uh, to, to Paul. Look back to Acts 14. You see, or 17 rather, you see the, uh, the Bereans here and a comment made about them in uh, Acts 17 verse 10. It says, As soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, he went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Bereans were more noble uh, character than the Thessalonians, so they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scripture every day to see if what Paul said was true. So you got the Bereans here and you have... The Ephesians that have this openness of I want to grow, I want to learn, I I I need I know that I can do better. Help me, you know. When I'm not doing well spiritually, this is not who I am. When I'm not doing well spiritually, I'm like I don't want to hear it. I don't want to be challenged. I don't want to be called higher. I don't want to be encouraged. Just leave me alone. I do see a few people out there shaking your heads. Evidently, I'm not the only one. One of the things that I'm trying to not grow into in my life is growing into being a grumpy old man. But, but, But I find myself every once in a while being... A grumpy old man. You know what I mean? You ever uh, have that feeling? Uh, You know, maybe a grumpy old woman? Possible? Perhaps? Way ahead of your time? (laughs) You're not old enough to be an old anything. But, you know, we can get into this sort of mode in our life where I don't want to be challenged on anything. I don't want anybody telling me anything. I don't want anyone pointing out anything in my life. 
Leave me alone. If we're if you're feeling that, when when you start to be that kind of person, a light bulb needs to go on. Uh oh, uh oh. This is not where I need to be. Now remember, it's very possible you're not where you need to be. Don't overreact. Oh no, I'm lost. You know, salvation is not a circle. Or you know, we've, I've, done, I've done this before. You know, you know, you get up in the morning, have your quiet time. I'm in the circle. You know, your kid says something to you, and you say, "Shut up!" Oh, you you stepped out of the circle. <laughs> Lord, I'm sorry. I'm back in the circle. You know, you get in your car, and and somebody cuts you off. You know, rah, 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 rah. That, see, that's how you do that. But don't say it. Uh, but, but step out. You know, oh no, I'm lost. Okay, Lord, they pull off and you have a quiet time right there on the side of the road. Okay, now you're back in the circle. You're not in and out and in and out and in and out. If you know what I'm saying. But a light needs to go. This is a this is a warning light. Hey, I, that that didn't that isn't who I want to be. That didn't that isn't who God wants me to be. Grumpy, unopened, crabby, you know, oversensitive, over, you know, uh, uh, you know, every, everything bothers you. You know, you come to church, you don't like the songs, uh, you know, and, and, and you're like, man, alive, you know, I'm trying here. And you know, that's sort of your, your attitude and that kind of thing. So that's the thing they did at first. But let's go on because that's not the only thing that they did. It says, Paul entered the synagogue boldly there for three months arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. Uh, so Paul left them and he took the disciples. Now look at this. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Number two thing they did. They had a heart for the young. He's preaching. Get some opposition. So he says, hey, I'm going to go over to the campus. I'm going to go over to the lecture hall and we're going to reach out to young people. Now, this is primarily for the non-teenagers and non-college students, but you're the benefactors of what I'm going to say. Something that will absolutely help you spiritually is involving yourself, if no other uh, sense, but at church when we, when we meet together, of glorying in the campus ministry glorying in the teen ministry and being excited about the younger people of the church. What can happen at church is that the campus ministry stays up here and they fellowship with themselves and the teenagers are down here and they fellowship with themselves and the marrieds are here and out getting their kids and all that and, and there's never any mixing. There's never any you know, going over to the college students and fellowshipping with them. Uh, college students going out into the marrieds and, and fellowshipping with them. Teenagers, not just being with teenagers all the time, but reaching out to the adults. Adults going actually up to teenagers. 
and saying, hey, great to see you. How are you doing? And establishing over time even a relationship where you enjoy seeing them and you look forward to seeing them at church. It's this attitude that, that older people need to have of glorying in it, being proud of it, being proud of our team ministry, being proud of the campus ministry, being proud of the college students. You know, a lot of us were college students at one time. You know, not all of us were, but, you know, some of us became Christians in our campus years. And we can remember uh, how, uh, you know, it felt to be in the church and looking at older people. And yes, they do think you're older. Because you thought they were older when you were college students. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm 64 years old. When I was a college student, if someone was 64 years old, they were old. They weren't middle age. They were old. Really old. Because I can remember what I thought about them. Now, I like to think that I don't actually look and act like those people did. But I probably do. You understand what I'm saying? I want to really encourage the older people. Get fired up about the campus ministry. Go over and fellowship those college students. Get to know them. Have a relationship with them. Now, you guys don't get all uppity over there. You, you, you need to go out among the, the married adults and all that and, and the, 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 the families and even with the teenagers. You know, they, they, these people think you're old. Really? I mean, when I was a, a, a high school kid, I thought people in college were old. I did. Now the truth of the matter is they, only, they were only like five years older than me. Right. You know, it wasn't really that big of a gap. Now someone's five years, you know, either way, they're basically my age. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I, I consider, uh, you know, John, how old are you? You're 51. Uh, you know, I, I consider John about my age. <laughs> Now, now John, John doesn't consider, he doesn't consider himself my age. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we got to get proud of our teen ministry, amen? And, and, uh, and uh, you know, have a relationship and reaching out to the kids, knowing them by name, and, and uh, developing a kind of a rapport, uh, you know, and, and a, a, a good relationship with them. I think you see a magnificent thing happen here. He does this. It says he, this went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard about the word of the Lord. Campus ministry has a phenomenal effect in that students come to a collected place to go to school. They go to school and then they, they go back and they go out with their careers. In some cases, uh, many, much more than, say, uh, USC, you know, most of you guys are probably, uh, uh, and, and Cal State LA, you're probably from this area. But many uh, colleges are at, at little dinky towns out in the middle of nowhere. And the university is there, and they'll have, you know, 25, 35,000 college students. 
And they get an education there. They're there for four to six years, whatever it takes, uh, for them to graduate. Uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm assuming they have a couple of degrees if they went six years, but, uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe not, but whatever. And then they're going to go somewhere else uh, to, to get a job. And they're not going to stay in that area because it's a small town and they don't have a lot of jobs uh, there and all the people who live there have the jobs and the college students, you know, stay by themselves over on that side of town. But they're going to go home and they're going to go out and going around. And so a whole area is, is affected uh, with the gospel because of campus ministry and the impact that campus ministry can have. And that's what goes right there. But the point I'm really trying to get you to understand is the heart for the young people in the church. That, that, that's what, I, this is, what did they do at first? They had a heart for younger people. They were excited about younger people and not annoyed with them or put off by them. And that can happen too. You know, that's the grumpy old man thing. So we got two things here that we've seen. The things they did at first. They've got an open heart to learning spiritually. They've got an open heart toward young people and reaching out to young people. So let's go on, because we've got one other thing here we've got to look at that's very important. This is, this is given the events that's happening here at Ephesus. It says, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits, tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. So they thought, hey, I see Paul doing it. I guess I'm going to try it too. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. (laughs) So that's what they're doing. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest. So these are preacher's kids. Now here... We're doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them. Oh, (laughs) never good when the evil spirit answers. (laughs) Jesus, I know. And I know about Paul. But who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. (laughs) <laughs> you can't make up this stuff. <laughs> That's quite a story. Yeah. Seven sons of Skeva. They took a. They get, I mean, this guy is one of those ninja guys, man. He can, he can just, he can get everybody at once. And so they're out. They got beat up pretty bad. They're, they're. Uh, uh, they're naked and bleeding. So that's not good. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear. Hmm. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. I mean, this scared them. And they're like, why? Well, yeah, I got a couple things going on too. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. 
When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Wow. You had some of the disciples that still had some sinful activity going on in their life even after they became Christians. Can you imagine that? Shocking! They were still hanging out with, with the crowd over there doing some of this stuff. Uh, and uh, what, what did it say here? It said that they brought their scrolls and uh, they were practicing sorcery. So, you know, hopefully none of you are doing that. <laughs> but I'll guarantee you that there's some of us that have some sin in our life that we haven't been open about. How do I know that? I know that because it was there. And if it was there, it's here. And what did they do? When, well, when, when this seven sons of Sceva thing happened, it shook them up a little bit. You ever have something happen in your spiritual life that sort of shakes you up? And you're like, whoa, I, I, I need to repent. I, I, I need to get my life right. I, I need to get some sin out of my life. And so you see this openness to learning Openness to loving and openness to repenting as an ongoing thing uh, in a person's life. Repentance is not something you do once and you did it. Repentance is something you do continually in your life. You, you become aware of things in your life. You do something. You say something. You act in such a way you realize, you know, that, that isn't right. i I, I got to do better than that. I expect more out of myself than that. I know the Lord expects more out of me than that. And I need, to, I need to do right. I need to be open about it with some people that I know and trust perhaps. But I need to definitely repent and get myself back to where I need to be spiritually. And so you've got this openness to learning, openness to loving, openness to repenting that's going on. What, when, when, when he says to them in, in, uh, in the book of Revelation, repent and do the things you did at first. Go back to that young Christian-like person that you used to be. You know, for many of us here, we've been a Christian for 5, 10, 15, 20 uh, years. And, 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 and you've been a Christian, uh, like Dave said today, I've been a Christian longer than I wasn't a Christian. Yeah, right. And that's true for most people. If you're baptized when you're a teenager or, or, or a, a college student, if you live to an adult life, you've been a Christian longer than, than you were a non-Christian. Yeah. And this idea of, okay, I, I, I've got to keep this soft heart to changing and, and, and getting back that, that young Christian kind of spirit and heart that, that most young people in the Lord have. Uh, you know, uh, one of the greatest things that happens uh, in a bad way with most people is that they, they get baptized and then two or three weeks later they, something happens with some other Christian and they realize, oh, the, the Christians aren't perfect. Uh, and for some people, that, that really throws them off. They're like, oh, 
I, I thought the church was awesome. And now I realize, well, may, maybe it's, you know, not awesome, but, you know, she's certainly not awesome. Uh, but what she said to me, you know, or the way I was treated by him, or, you know, or that was said, or this was done, or, or, or wasn't done, or overlooked, or, or, or you know, it, it, that, that sense of the church is not as wonderful as I thought it was. The Christians aren't as wonderful as I thought they were. Am I the only one? <laughs> but there's, there's, a, there's a, a, a pleasantness about the young Christian heart that they see things in a more loving way. They see things in, in, in the eyes of a, of a child. They're a child in the faith. They're a baby Christian. And everything is wonderful. Every sermon is life-changing. Every song is incredible. You know, and this is you know, before we get the, the cynical part of us comes in you know, down, down, down the road. Go back and do the things you did at first. Fan into flame. Now, if you're sitting here and you're saying, okay, how do I, how do I apply this to my life? How I would want you to apply this to your life is that these need to be lights, warning lights that go off in your mind. If you're not having that open heart to learning, you've you got to realize, okay, I, I need to get back and do the things I did at first. If you don't have that heart of loving the young people of the church, the campus ministry, teen ministry, you need to have that heart and say, I, that needs to be me. It hasn't been me, but it needs to be me. I, I need to love the, the younger people in the church, the, the college students and the teenagers. Let's see what I'm talking about right here. And even this here, okay, I, 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 I know I'm not spiritually uh, as pure as I need to be. I've got some things in my life, okay, then, then, then it needs to be a light that goes off. Hey, this is, this is not where I need to be. This is not why I became a Christian. didn't become a Christian so I could do lousy spiritually. I need to go back and do what I did at first. I need to have that pure heart. I need to have that desire to, to, to uh, repent and get my life back. Repentance is not something you do once. It's what you do again and again and again. I hope today that, that, this, is, that this is kind of a sermon where hopefully it's a thinking person's sermon. That your mind is, is rolling here and thinking about these things. This is an application kind of sermon. Okay, there's something I need to do with, with, with this sermon. I need to think about this. I maybe need to talk to somebody about this. But remember, I, I'm, this is my last sermon of the year. It's December 1st, not January 1st. But this is the idea of, okay, how, how are we going to get the next year started on a good path spiritually? Be open-hearted, be open-loving, and be open to repent when you need to repent in your life. I hope this study today has been good for you. Uh, you know, like I said, this is the last time that I'll preach this, uh, this year. So uh, let's have a great December. We'll be going to be doing all kinds of different things with the kids program and the singing uh, service and all that. Let's have a great December. Yeah. Uh, and also a great, looking way down the road, a great 2020. 
And uh, next week, we're going to all be out in the gym. Tony Singh from uh, Canada will be here. Tony will do a great job. Many of you have heard him before. A wonderful speaker. Uh, and uh, I'm sure he'll be happy to be here as well. But uh, God bless. Have a great day.